facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome to Friday on The Kale Clark Show. It's October the 27th, 2023, and I'm so glad that you're here with me. Here's the number to call, 888-914-9149. Once again, 888-914-9149. You can also email the program. Send me a show idea. Become a shadow producer. A link to a story that you think I might have a good take on. The email address is kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. And once again, let me hand out that phone number, 888 914-9149. I like to hand out that number often as often as I like to hand out Halloween candy. And sort of related to Halloween, I'm going to be asking a really interesting question. Can Catholics celebrate the Dia de los Muertos? My, my Spanish is terrible. That was my best kick at the can there. Kind of related to Halloween, All Saints Day, All Souls Day, kind of happens at the same time. Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead. Can Catholics really celebrate this in good conscience. We're going to be talking about that later on in the program. If you've got some experience with that, you can call in 888-914-9149. We've also got the week that was coming up. I'm going to tell you about the folk legend of Tyson Bajan. Who is that, you say? Uh, he's a secret Bajan man. I'll tell you, he's amazing, uh, and, and you will not want to miss this. That's coming up later in the program. And we're going to crack open right now. Yeah, another fresh episode of The Kale Clark Show with this story. There's a new Speaker of the House. I don't know if you heard this, but after about three weeks of wrangling and candidates getting rejected for Republican Speaker, whether it's Steve Scalise or Jim Johnson or I forget the name of the other guy um, that uh, Donald Trump said, no, nope, not going to happen. Uh, so he was quickly, uh, he quit. He's like, forget it. If Trump's not going to support me, I'm not going to do it. But Mike Johnson, Mike Johnson is the new Speaker of the House of Representatives, and I had I knew nothing about this guy. I, I pre, I'm presuming a lot of you didn't either. But the reason why I'm mentioning it right now, and I, I posted a clip of this on my on my Twitter account at Kale Clark on the X slash Twitter app. He quoted G.K. Chesterton uh, when he um, addressed everybody gathered in the chamber yesterday. This is pretty wild. So we're gonna have this clip in just a second. But uh, Mike Johnson is the representative from Louisiana. And he, of course, was elected speaker on Wednesday after this logjam and, and all kinds of stuff that was going on there. He was elected to the House in the year 2017. And here's, here's a, something that he said. I'm just going to quote him here. This isn't in the clip that we're going to play. Uh, when he addressed the chamber, he said, quote, The Bible is very clear that God is the one that raises up those in authority. Okay, so... I, God certainly allows it, for sure. You have to be a little careful with it. I see where he's going with this, but we have to be a little careful with this because there's some pretty bad governments out there like Hamas right now. That, that doesn't mean that God raised them up, let's, let's face it. But having said that, I see where he's going with this, and God certainly allows people to take office, even if they're not necessarily 100% uh, in with his program. Think about King Cyrus, and a, a lot of people talked about King Cyrus, uh, the Medo-Persian Empire, which unseated the Babylonians, this is kind of predicted in the book of Daniel, of course, this great dream of this statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had. He's like, I, I can't understand this. And one of the Jewish exiles, Daniel, interprets the dream for him. 
and says, hey, your kingdom, you may not be around for this yourself, but your kingdom will eventually be busted up by Cyrus. And Cyrus lets the Jews return to the Holy Land. A lot of people during um, uh, the Trump presidency, of course, said Trump's kind of like Cyrus because God, even though he may not be online with God 100 percent, or I don't even know if uh, what percentage you could say he is, but, you know, hope we need to pray for this guy, of course. But but during his presidency, of course, Supreme Court justices that he appointed brought down uh, Roe v. Wade and helped protect human life. So clearly, clearly, um, that was a good thing. At any rate, I'm a, a little bit uh, off track here, but let's get back on track with what uh, Mike Johnson was saying. He also said this, quote, I believe that each one of us has a huge responsibility today to use the gifts that God has given us to serve the extraordinary people of this great country and that they deserve it and to ensure that our republic remains standing as the great beacon of light and hope and freedom in a world that desperately needs it. End of quote. So he is, um, people have asked a lot about his faith background. Uh, I don't think he would consider himself to be a Catholic, although apparently, I don't know if this is true or not, but I, I, I heard, and I haven't been able to verify this yet, that his parents uh, were Catholic, but tragically they, they got divorced. And one of the things that he's really concerned about is the nuclear family and keeping it together, possibly based on his own experiences. Again, that's unverified. Um, this is very much new information. And um, if you know the answer to this question, you can call in 888-914-9149. But he is a Christian. He's married with four children. And he has, uh, I read this on the Focus of the Family, on the family website, he has a, an A-plus rating on the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life Scorecard. And the Heritage Foundation has also given him a lifetime score of 90%, so he's got their seal of approval as well. Uh, back in 2022, uh, he tweeted this out on the anniversary of the Roe v. Wade ruling, the anniversary of that, the tragic anniversary of that. He said, quote, Abortion takes a baby's life, a person made in God's image. In 2015, he said this to a reporter uh, when he was a member of the uh, Louisiana State Legislature, he said, quote, many women use abortion as a form of birth control in certain segments of society. And it's just shocking and sad, but this is where we are. When you break up the nuclear family, when you tell a generation of people that life has no value, no meaning, that it's expendable, then you do wind up with school shooters, end of quote. <clears throat> and we talked a little bit yesterday on a really intriguing episode that we had here on the Kale Clark Show about some authors uh, in the 20th century that kind of predicted the cultural malaise and mess that we're in right now. And a caller also mentioned Pope Paul VI, who also prophesied this, that um, if contraception became widespread, that abortion would be the backup birth control, and it would, it would certainly lead to more abortions, not less. Uh, anyways, um, he also opposed the legalization of gay marriage, uh, worked with the Alliance Defending Freedom, and uh, he worked with folks on the family, too, to try to urge the Supreme Court to maintain existing laws about marriage that were on the books. Uh, the Supreme Court at the time, as you know, did legalize same-sex marriage in a very controversial ruling, five to four. And he said about that, about this ruling, he said, quote, this will open up a Pandora's box, end of quote. And we see how things have gotten progressively more and more uh, dire in terms of things that are happening in the culture with respect to the breakdown of the family um, and all kinds of perversions of sexuality that are happening, transgenderism, everything is kind of, um, it's all of a piece in a certain sense, although they are separate issues on their own. 
But here's the quote that I wanted to share with you that Mike Johnson said regarding G.K. Chesterton. This is really interesting uh, during his speech at the House of Representatives. Check this out. It was in 1962, in 1962, that, that our national motto, In God We Trust, was adorned above this rostrum. And if you look at the little uh, guide that they give uh, tourists and constituents who come and, and, and visit the house, if you turn in there to about page 14 in the middle of that guide, it tells you the history of this. And it says very simply, these words were placed here above us. This motto was placed here as a rebuke of the Cold War era philosophy of the Soviet Union. That philosophy was Marxism and communism, which begins with the premise that there is no God. This is a critical distinction that is also articulated in our nation's birth certificate. We know the language well, the famous second paragraph that we used to have children memorize in school, and, and they don't do that so often anymore, but they should. G.K. Chesterton was the famous British philosopher and statesman, and he said one time, America is the only nation in the world that is founded upon a creed. And he said it's listed with almost theological lucidity in the Declaration of Independence. What is our creed? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, not born equal, created equal. And they are endowed by the, the same inalienable rights, with the same inalienable rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. That is, the, that is the creed that has animated our nation since its founding, that has made us the great nation that we are. Uh, that, was, that was an interesting clip and makes me want to hear more of his speech. I'll have to check out the full speech later. Uh, but I did read that he kind of summed up what his priorities are like this. He said, quote, I boil them down to individual freedom, limited government, the rule of law, peace through strength, fiscal responsibility, free markets, and human dignity. Those are the foundations that made us the extraordinary nation that we are, and you and I today are the stewards of those principles, end of quote. And I talked to you just a couple of days ago on the show about the, the wisdom of uh, the founding fathers of the United States that, and maybe they didn't even realize the full implications of, of these words at the time. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And Mike Johnson pointed out, created equal, not born equal, created equal. So the, the implication of a creator God. Of course, you're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. But I thought it was really interesting that he quoted G.K. Chesterton on this, that America almost has this creed of belief. And I, I wanted to read a little bit more about Chesterton on America. So... Of course, I had to check out what Dale Alquist had to say from the G.K. Chesterton Society. Maybe the most foremost uh, authority on Chesterton that there is in the world right now, the great uh, and very quotable Dale Alquist. And he, ha he, he has this really nice piece on, on the Chesterton.org website, and we'll, we'll put a link to this in the show notes. It's really interesting. Chesterton wrote about what he saw when he traveled to America. And he, he went for a speaking tour in 1921. <laughs> it's really funny. And, and anything related to Chesterton, Chesterton was such a wit. Uh, I've always said he would have been perfect on Twitter because he had so many great one-liners. Of course, he was a convert to Catholicism. And he was often asked, why did you become a Catholic? And he said, because it's true. Great line, and there's a million reasons why it's true. And he said there are a million doors into the church, a million roads unique to each person, but we all wind up in the same place. And he had his issues. Um, he wrote about this in The Catholic Church and Conversion. He wrote an incredible book called Orthodoxy, 
uh, you know this. But when, when he was getting ready to go to America for a speaking tour, and this is in 1921, he went to the American consulate in the UK regarding his passport. And so one of the questions that he had to answer was, are you in favor of subverting the government of the United States by force? <laughs> so Chesterton said in response, he said, I prefer to answer that question at the end of my tour and not the beginning, end of quote. So lots of funny stuff from Chesterton. And uh, Dale Alquist said that, Another cool thing that, that happened was when he went to Broadway, New York City, he talked about the, the, the lights of Broadway, and he said that they would be, quote, a glorious garden of wonders to anyone who was lucky enough to be unable to read, end of quote. So he said that the road to international friendship, Chesterton said, is through really understanding jokes and that the friendship between America and England is founded on reciprocal ridicule. Um, but he did; t- he had some really, as as Alquist said, some some more serious reflections on America. And let me just quote Dale Alquist here. He said, "Quote because Chesterton is a universal writer whose truths transcend national boundaries. We often assume that what he writes about England is also true of the United States, and often it is. However," The two countries are not the same. Chesterton uses every opportunity to point out the differences between the two, the characteristics that make each country unique. So here's a quote from Chesterton. He said, quote, All good Americans wish to fight the representatives they have chosen. All good Englishmen wish to forget the representatives they have chosen. End of quote. It's a fundamental doctrine of Chesterton that each country is unique and that its distinctive qualities, customs, and traditions should be preserved. Thus, visiting each unique place would broaden our minds, no? And and this is kind of an interesting uh, segment because there's so many people, and my wife's a big travel nut, she's got the travel bug, loves to travel, and it's true that traveling can be an education unto itself. Um... (laughs) <laughs> I read about him. I think it was uh, the writer Tish Oxenrider. I think she talked about this on Twitter, that she and her family are kind of nomads for about a year or more, just traveling and living in different places and working remotely and things like that. It was kind of an education unto itself. But Chesterton isn't really into this kind of thing. He actually said this, quote, I have never managed to lose my old conviction that travel narrows the mind, end of quote. Why would he say something like that? Well, he said, hey, when a man is in his own home, he said, he thinks the great thoughts. This is universal experience. He thinks the great thoughts. But a man traveling is amused or appalled by a thousand distractions and trivial things, even if they are very interesting. It's the traveler who thinks the small thoughts, and there is a danger that these secondary things could replace the primary things. So that, that's an interesting, again, as Alquist says, this is one of the great paradoxes of Chesterton. And uh, Chesterton was just full of these paradoxes. This idea that, hey, you think travel broadens the mind, but usually when you're traveling, you're, you're totally distracted by a thousand different things, maybe stuff that isn't really that important. It might be interesting, but not important. But when you're home, hopefully you're thinking about big ticket items, things that really matter in life. But even when he was in America, he still thought about important stuff because he was a, he was a smart guy. He was a real intellectual. He said that um, Alquist says rather that when he was um, 
writing what I saw in America, Chesterton kind of started it out as kind of a travelogue, but eventually it became this big extended reflection on what really makes a nation a nation at the end of the day. And however you define a nation, he said that America is really the exception. It's a nation like no other. Chesterton says that America, quote, is the only nation in the world that is founded on a creed. And this is what Mike Johnson was referencing in his speech as the new speaker. That creed is that all men are created equal. There is no basis for democracy except in a dogma about the divine origin of man, end of quote. Thus, America is necessarily a religious nation. And Chesterton also said this. This is, this is interesting as well. He said that America has the soul of a church, the soul of a church. Alqua says that sometimes people neglect that, that elementary truth, or they actively ignore it. So this is interesting, that really without religion, without basing it, essentially on being created in the image and likeness of God, we can't have human equality. We can't have true democracy without it. So that means that uh, we have to respect the sanctity of all life created in the image of God, especially the unborn as well. So a lot of people who support democracy don't support uh, the pro-life movement. I've always thought that to be a major dichotomy and, and a a contradiction in terms, and Chesterton kind of puts his finger on that. So Alquist uh, goes on to say this. This is another interesting feature about America. Dale Alquist says that America is comprised mostly of rejects, people who are either thrown out of or let go from or escaped from or disappeared from someplace else. And in spite of such questionable pedigree, it is a land of great patriotic pride. It has always thought it important to imbue this patriotism, to Americanize every immigrant who has come here to make a new beginning. But it is a strange sort of patriotism that cannot define itself. And now the question is haunting us as we debate the virtues and vices of immigration, illegal or not, without ever having asked ourselves, what makes America, America? Most of us share very little common heritage. Most of us have had to adopt this nation's history. Most of us are the descendants of immigrants, some more recent than others. The present culture has no permanent glue to bind us. It can hardly be called a common culture. Just because we buy the same things doesn't mean we treasure the same things, end of quote. That's a really good line from Dale Alquist. I like that. Just because we buy the same things doesn't mean we treasure the same things. And there's more to it, obviously, than a materialistic existence. Got to look at the spiritual. And so it's, it's interesting, and, and he talks about how Chesterton predicted uh, racial strife in America because of historical wrongs that have, that have been done uh, to, to, to certain groups, of course, African Americans, of course, uh, and others, Native Americans. But, but this, this idea of the creed that Chesterton mentions about equality, this is the thing that most every American does believe in spite of all the obvious inequalities that are they're still out there in the culture, economically, politically, educationally. And also, Alquist mentions what he calls the bizarre system of news and entertainment. And, and then here's another thing about the American spirit that Chesterton kind of put his finger on as, as a Brit, as someone from outside. 
He said that there's only one mood in America. Chesterton said there's only one mood in America. He didn't quite know what to call it. He said, should I call it hustle? (laughs) Like American hustle, right? Um, Uplift, whatever it is. The historic love of comrades, the last hysteria of the herd instinct. But he says this American sociability is like Niagara, like Niagara Falls. It never stops. And it has a constant pressure behind it. He says the typical American is a live wire. Not only active, full of energy, but also sensitive, like a live wire. The American uses his great practical powers upon very small provocation. There's a kind of a sense of honor, like a duelist challenge you to a duel in his readiness to be provoked. And so Alqua said, you know, when he was talking about this stuff, Chesterton is perfectly describing John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, Rambo, right? Uh, hey, First Blood, right? Yeah, great film. The other ones kind of went off the rails. But anyways, still fun, though. There are many things about America that Chesterton was really, really fond of. Not only individual people. He, he loved the heartland. He loved the, the farms that were all over the place. Not so excited about the cities. He saw the creeping industrialization. He called them forests of brick. We don't call them forests of brick anymore. We call it the concrete jungle, but... He also said the cities were a labyrinth of lifeless things eating up the landscape. And Alquist says, you know, it's kind of interesting because he loved the farmland, wasn't so fond of the cities. But since the last time Chesterton came to America, the family farm has been decimated. And Main Street has been populated with what Chesterton called half-educated people who have no connection to historic things because they've been utterly separated from the land. Um, very intriguing. So some reflections from Dale Alquist on what Chesterton saw in America. And yeah, a lot of people don't have access to the classics of education. And a lot of times it's through no fault of their own. This, the great books, we mentioned this yesterday as well. The Chesterton Academies, which are spreading all over the place in the United States, are trying to uh, remedy that. And uh, they're having a lot of success. And may God grant them even more and more. So that was really interesting that Mike Johnson mentioned mentioned Chesterton. So I thought I'd just share a little bit about Chesterton's trip to America. I'm wondering what you think of this. 888-914-9149. It's toll-free line for the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. 888-914-9149. When we come back from the break, I'm also going to answer this question. Is it okay for you as a Catholic coming up next week to celebrate Dia de los Muertos? And I'll keep working on my Spanish during the break, and I'll be right back. This is The Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. Hey, welcome back to The Kale Clark Show on this Friday, the 27th of October, 2023. Now, next week, of course, it's All Hallows Eve, better known as Halloween. The day before All Saints Day, November the 1st. We've got some great programming lined up for you on Relevant Radio. Great stories about great saints. Every show will talk about at least one great saint. And I can't wait to share what I've got up my sleeve for you on the Faith Explained Show, 1230 Central. And of course, live on the Kale Clark Show, 5 p.m. Central. And of course, 
All Souls Day, November the 2nd, the All Souls Novena. You can check that out, relevantradio.com slash souls. Submit the names of 20 loved ones. Tell your friends about it, too. We want to pray for as many souls as possible. Now, kind of connected to all this is the Day of the Dead Festival, known in Spanish as Dia de los Muertos. And a lot of people wonder, is this pagan or is this something that Catholics can actually, in good conscience, celebrate. You're probably going to want to call in and tell me about this, too, and educate me on this, because I've not had any personal experience with this, but the number is 888-914-9149, toll-free. Our line sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. So as you're calling in, we're going to talk about this in just a second, want to play for you what producer Jim Shaper has cooked up for you, and it is The Week That Was on The Kale Clark Show. Check it out. Our guest today is Father Ken Geraci, a priest with the Fathers of Mercy, the author of the book, Spiritual Warfare and Divine Mercy. Of course, we trust in God's mercy, but you talk about the dangers of living the misunderstood Christian life. So many times that we look at the Christian life as if we go to church, we say our prayers, we just check the boxes, everything is going to be okay. And we forget that the devil has declared war on us. And we have to fight in, in a very serious way to resist sin, to do the good. I don't want to do the good. I want, you know, it's like Paul says, my body wants to do what I don't want to do. You know, it's, there's this whole thing of this struggle. And for us to take the call of the Christian life seriously and soberly and with urgency is really the key thing. So we're continuing this discussion about the major prophets of our time. Aldous Huxley, who wrote Brave New World, George Orwell, who wrote 1984, and Fahrenheit 451, written by the American author Ray Bradbury. Let's go to Angie in Palmetto, Florida. Hi, Angie. Hi, how are you? Great. I just want you to know that this topic has just catapulted you into my number one spot at Relevant Radio. <laughs> well, you're very kind. Thank you. Thank you very much, Angie. I appreciate that. The one thing that stood out to me about Fahrenheit 451 is that the reason the antagonist was able to get, not just the antagonist, but, you know, the whole group um, was able to get control over the populace was that everybody was offended by everything. And I feel we are Hmm. completely in that stage right now. I I think there's just a general lowering of civil discourse. It's very difficult to have even calm discussions with people with whom we we disagree about anything, whether it's politics, religion, and those are things that obviously, you know, are huge. And G.K. Chesterton said, the two things that people don't want to talk about at parties, politics and religion, they're really the two most important topics, because religion has to do with love of God, and politics has to do with love of neighbor. Ah, the ever-quotable G.K. Chesterton, he pops up again, and again, we talked about him earlier in the show. Uh, New Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, referenced him. Really intriguing, really intriguing speech that he gave as the new speaker. We talked about that in the first segment of the show, and that was the week that was. Thank you, Producer Jim. Uh, The other voice you heard, of course, was Brooke Taylor, who was sitting in for me earlier this week as I was recovering from COVID, but uh, I'm happily on the mend, thanks be to God, and... I'll have some natural immunity for a little while, so I'm looking forward to that. And, hey, I'm looking forward to talking about this as well. Can Catholics participate in the Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead celebrations? Maybe that's a cultural touchstone uh, in your family's history. A lot of people have questions about this. Is this pagan? Is it? Is it not? Is it compatible with the Catholic faith? I remember in the James Bond movie Spectre, 
Of course, uh, Daniel Craig is trying to chase down Blofeld, Blofeld, Ernst Stavro, Blofeld, and Spectre. There's a great set piece. The pre-title sequence is kind of set amidst the uh, Day of the Dead festival. Really spectacular stuff uh, from a cinematic perspective. But the question still remains from a religious point of view, can Catholics really celebrate this? Well, uh, my friend Father Hugh Barber, uh, who's a chaplain at Catholic Answers, uh, wrote a piece about this for Catholic.com on the church's stance on this. And I, I found it pretty enlightening because I, I wanted to share this with you. Uh, he's a wonderful priest. And just kind of give some background on this. Again, this, this isn't my area of expertise, but uh, again, I, my Spanish is, is, is awful. Uh, but Dia de los Muertos uh, does actually mean in Latin American Spanish, it has to do with the commemoration of all the faithful departed. So in other words, this has a lot to do with All Souls Day, uh, which we commemorate every November the 2nd. We're praying for the dearly departed who have gone before us. And if they're in purgatory, we want to lessen their experience there uh, with our prayers, with our sacrifices. So Father Barber says that there are a lot of customs associated with commemorating the dead according to Dia de los Muertos, visits to the cemetery, uh, the graves of loved ones, cleaning up the area, um, laying some new flowers, setting up commemorative altars, even sharing a meal in the cemetery at the gravesite. Now, to some people, they might say, wow, that, that seems really macabre. You know, why would you want to do this? There's special dishes that are used to serve. Uh, and these go back pretty far back, actually, in, in, in Christian history. And uh, Father Barber actually mentions an incident in the life of St. Augustine and his mother, St. Monica. This, this is something I, I hadn't heard of before. There's a, there could be a little bit of extra partying going on here, a little bit like Mardi Gras, where things can sometimes get out of hand. And, and the fathers of the church said, you got to restrain yourselves here. Let's try to stay as pious as possible as we do this. And in the Confessions of St. Augustine, um, Monica, St. Augustine, they came from, obviously, Carthage, North Africa, and they wind up in Milan. <laughs> and Monica is like, I don't, I don't, I don't really kind of like the way they celebrate uh, the Day of the Dead here in Milan, because in North Africa, the party just never stopped. You know, party rock is in the house tonight. And St. Augustine says, you know, okay, you, you really need to calm down here, Mom. Um, just kind of dial it back a little bit. We, we need to be a little bit more austere here. So what, what's the point of, of, of these celebrations in the first place? Well, Father Barber says the point of the day is prayer, works of mercy, penance for our dear dead, combined with the strongest means of helping them reach their heavenly homeland, the holy sacrifice of the Mass. And that, this is the greatest prayer that we can offer, the greatest sacrifice that we can offer as well. But of course, we are doing this Novena for the Holy Souls as we do every year on Relevant Radio from November 2nd to uh, the 10th. The Day of the Dead is actually a day that we can show our love for the faithful departed by interceding for them and hastening their journey from purification and purgatory to the blessedness of heaven. And when they get there, they're going to show their thankfulness to us by praying for us as much as possible. What about the whole issue with um, the painted skulls uh, referencing the Day of the Dead Festival? That, that's, that is very intriguing. 
Well, th this is something uh, intriguing, and it doesn't mean what a lot of people think that it does mean. The painting of people's faces, face paint to look like skulls, and in painting of, of the skulls themselves, this is not like what happens on Halloween. Very often, skulls are brought out as Halloween decorations. You see them, skeletons. Sometimes it's meant to scare, but for Dia de los Muertos, it's actually reverence. Um, the reason is that they, they want to, uh, people who celebrate this feast want us to know that we actually embrace death. This is, we can kind of wear it on our face in a certain sense because it's part of life. Death is part of the journey of life. And it's not something that we need to be afraid of if we're in Jesus Christ, if we're in a state of grace. It can be something that we, not in a macabre way, we love life, we, we love the gift of life, but we also know that we're going to have to change addresses at the end of the day. There's going to be, unless Christ returns during our lifetime, which may in fact happen, but there's still going to be a transition. We've still got to be somehow transformed, get our resurrection body, and some will do that maybe without dying. I don't know what that's going to look like, but uh, eventually we will be living in what Scripture calls the new heaven and the new earth. And so even, even All Hallows' Eve, in certain ways, was intended always to, to make a mockery of death. And this is what the resurrection has done, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh, death, where is your sting? As St. Paul wrote about in his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15. Christ has defeated death. He's defeated Satan. He's defeated sin. He's defeated evil. He's defeated death. So we don't have to be afraid of it anymore. And so this idea of painting a skull on one's face is sort of saying, don't, don't, be, don't be afraid of this. This is normal. The saints very often would have a skull on their death. St. Jerome, the great biblical scholar and translator of the Bible and church history, lived in the Holy Land. He would be very famous for having a skull on his desk, always keeping the end in mind. In that sense, he was a forerunner of The Seven Habits by Stephen Covey. Begin with the end in mind, and you'll make much better choices in life. So most would say, I would think, and I'm sure Father Barber would agree with this, that celebrating Dia de los Muertos does not contradict the Catholic faith. It doesn't uh, fly in the face of uh, the essentials of our faith as long as we keep the main thing the main thing. And some people say, man, this is maybe even a better more faithful celebration than Halloween itself, All Hallows' Eve, in terms of what life and the afterlife is all about. So in spite of its origins, and people do argue about where it actually you know, originates from, um, even if it does have a secular point of view, some people say it comes from the Aztecs, has nothing to do with Christianity. Even if that's the case, there are a lot. There are a lot of secular holidays, and Charles Grandin, Father Charles Grandin, talked about this too in a piece about this. He compared it to Memorial Day. Memorial Day is not a religious holiday; it's not a liturgical feast. But if you attend Mass on Memorial Day or visit the graves of veterans who have given the ultimate sacrifice for the United States, that's a pious thing to do. It's a very commendable thing to do. So. This is what happens all the time. This is what Jesus Christ does. He always takes what is pagan and makes it holy. He does that with each one of us. <laughs> we're born pagans. We're baptized children of God. And so we enter into this process of sanctification. So even if it does have pagan roots, certainly Catholics have 
appropriated this, and I think in a vi- they've appropriated it in a very appropriate way. That's what I would say. So, if people are wondering about this, if Dia de los Muertos is something that's that's very important to your culture, and you're wondering if it's compatible with your faith, I would say that it is. And smarter minds than I would concur. You're listening to the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, triple eight nine one four. Nine one four nine. If you want to weigh in on this, uh, call in. Hey, let's go to the phones right now, really quickly. Let's go to Therese in California. So, Cal, how you doing, Therese? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for calling. I hear you coughing. So yeah, I'll yeah. For you. Thank you. Appreciate that. But I, I was sure. I wanted to let you know that I am a face painter, and so my concern was hmm. doing Day of the Dead mask. Mm-hmm. They're called sugar skulls. Sugar skulls. And someone okay. explained, yeah, someone explained to me one time that it has to do, I believe there's a Bible verse that says, Oh, death, where is your sting? Mm-hmm. And that it's a way of saying, I'm not afraid of death. I mock death. I laugh at death. And so yeah. I kind of felt that it was okay for me to make that beautiful um, skeleton face for Dia de los Muertos. That's exactly right, Therese. You know, and as we talked about, St. Paul wrote those words in 1 Corinthians 15, O grave, where is thy victory? O death, where is thy sting? And of course, uh, death, the grave, has been conquered by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you've got it exactly right. It's a way of, in a sense, mocking death. Hey, what can you really do to me, right? It's it's a sting. It hurts, for sure. But uh, it's not... not, um, it's not a mortal blow in the sense that it's an immortal blow because we will live forever. We have eternal souls and God will give us back resurrection bodies in the afterlife. We won't get sick. We won't be coughing and hacking like I am. Well, I'll tell you what, we've got to take a quick break right now, but we'll be right back. 888 with a folk legend that you are not going to want to miss. Be right back. Naturally. Don't get caught up. Don't get nervous. Just go ball. And here's his first NFL pass, and is it, it is a completion to Valus Jones. Quick pitch and catch on the outside. With inside of eight minutes left. Bajan on the sneak. No signal. They uncover the bodies, and they say touchdown. Tyson Bajan, first touchdown for the rookie. And we've got a one-score game. Our show on Relevant Radio, 888 Yeah, and a rather surprising outcome in NFL action last weekend. The Chicago Bears, the Monsters of the Midway, with a 30-12 to victory over the Raiders of Las Vegas. And I'll tell you what, uh, Patrick Alog, who's uh, working here at Relevant Radio, associate producer, he's in the studio with me right now. I know you're probably pretty upset about that, Patrick, because you are a Raider fan but man, this is this is the story of the NFL right now. Bears quarterback Justin Fields hurts his thumb. Uh, he went down the week before. Coming in in relief, backup quarterback, undrafted from Division II Shepherd University. I'm sure most people in America hadn't even heard of this place in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. Tyson Bajent, and I'm telling you what, he is something else, and he so far is the story of the NFL going into this week. And had you heard about this kid before uh, he got into game action, Patrick? Uh, no, I haven't. I only heard about him because they played my Raiders. And I know it was 
the score says, oh, you know, they shouldn't have won and stuff, but I'm a Raiders fan. They're not doing good. I wasn't surprised. We had a back, the Raiders had a backup quarterback as well. So, yeah, no, not surprised true. at all. No, and, <laughs> and because the game was, I live in the Chicago area, the game was in the Chicago area. I was looking forward to watching it, and oh boy, this, it, it was disappointing. But, yeah, I, was, but, but I flipped the channel during the second half. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. And, and, and speak, by the way, speaking of somebody else who was disappointed, was, uh, Raiders quarterback, the, the actual starting quarterback for the Raiders, Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's from Arlington Heights in the Chicago area. I'm sure he had a lot of family and friends who had tickets to that game, wanted to see him play for the Bear, against the Bears. Didn't happen. He didn't play uh, either. But but what's interesting about Tyson Bajan, and, and, and he's, he's, he's kind of a folk hero type character. The legend just keeps on growing. Um, not only because of the fact that he played Division Two, he's one of only a few Division II quarterbacks who have ever played in the NFL. But he has the all-time NCAA record for most touchdown passes, which is, I think, 159, if memory serves me correctly, and also most passing yards. And I just think it's kind of interesting because, Patrick, the NFL gets quarterbacks wrong for all the scouting and for all the analytics. They get quarterbacks wrong all the time. Who's going to be a good pro? It's not just quarterbacks. It's positions you can make an argument that uh nfl drafting might be the hardest of any of the professional sports i mean we see it in not just you know we we see it not just quarterbacks but a lot of positions but of course when you said quarterback i mean look at it the greatest quarterback of all time tom brady sixth round 199 pick overall and like and about seven quarterbacks were drafted before him that's right the goat was picked 199th overall it's unbelievable brock purdy uh, obviously, starting quarterback for the for the forty nine. He was Mister Irrelevant. He was that's what they call the last pick in the NFL draft. He was literally the last pick in the NFL draft. I think he, I think the Niners would have won a Super Bowl with him had he not gotten hurt in the NFC Championship game against Philadelphia. And now Tony Romo, he's another undrafted quarterback. Mm-hmm. Kurt Warner, think about him, a Super Bowl champion. With I know Jim really loves this, of course, because he he's a he was a big fan of the old St. Louis Rams. Not a big fan of Stan Kroenke moving the team, but that's another story for another day. And then we have another undrafted kid, Tyson Bajan, Shepherd College. But here's here's the, the wild story, why he's kind of become a folk hero. Um, before before the draft, Robert Griffin III, who won the Heisman Trophy, of course, became a, a rookie of the year in the NFL. He's now a broadcaster. He went to Shepherdstown, West Virginia, to get the backstory on Tyson Bajan at Shepherd University. And it's, it's a wild piece. I put it up on my Twitter account. It's like an eight-minute clip. But it, they, they interviewed his dad. Now, Tyson Bajan's dad's name is Travis, and he calls himself the Beast, the Beast. He's a 17 times world champion in arm wrestling, and he considers himself to be the greatest arm wrestler of all time. This guy's like a pro wrestling character. He's got personality to burn. He is unbelievable. you got to see this clip. And I, I wish we had time to play this. And, and, and not just—I don't know if you're going to mention this—and not just arm wrestling, but he's won championships on both arms. That's true. The 17 championships, many of them are with the left arm, many of them are with the right arm. He doesn't care. He just likes beating people, and and he he just pat, he, he he sees himself as as being the best in the world at what he did, and he really passed this on this attitude, this mindset to his son Tyson. Now. But that's a, lot, a bit of a longer clip, so you can check that out on my on my X feed at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. I reposted it there. But Peter Schrager, who works for the NFL Network, he's one of the hosts of Good Morning Football. He actually tracked down the college coach at Shepherd University, Ernie McCook. And he talked about some of the rather unorthodox training regimen 
that Tyson Bajan would engage in. Listen to this clip. Check this out. He will prepare and work. He's going to physically train his body. When he talked about shredding his life away and CrossFit, CrossFit that's, yeah. a, that's 100% accurate. Like, if you're ever in this area, you need to come visit Shepherd University because behind our locker room, his high school history teacher has got, it lives back there, right? And they have a, they have a man cave CrossFit training that they do. I mean, it's like all natural, like you're taking a log and you're bench pressing a log 50 times. Then you're running to the river with a weighted backpack and back. And this, they do, that's the kind of stuff he does. They, 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 they hollowed out. We're right on the banks of the Potomac River. Tyson and his roommates hollowed out a stream for to make it a cold bath. A homemade cold tub? A homemade cold tub on the Potomac River, and they go <laughs> they would go down there in February. Yes. I mean, not we're not talking July where they're cooling off. They're going down there and really going through it. I mean, just the things like the natural things that happen. Yeah, that's just wild. He made his old his own cold bath of uh, the Potomac River, uh, ice cold water. This is unbelievable, unorthodox stuff. And Patrick, have you ever been in a in a? Have you ever used a cold bath? Have you ever tried that? Closest I've used the cold bath was when I did uh, Exodus ninety, and I took those, you know, wow. five minute cold showers. That's as that, close. Hey, that that's a start, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I've never done it. Uh, full 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 disclosure here. But producer Jim, you 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 do the cold plunge. Don't you? Yeah, I used to do it when I was training for marathons, and I've been doing some more training <laughs> recently. And last Saturday, I actually did my first one in a while. You just have to sit in the water for mm-hmm. a minute in the cold water. Then you pour the ice on top, and then you pray that it ends <laughs> soon. <laughs> Who would be the saint to pray for that? Patron saint of cold baths. Good question. That, yeah, that's a great mm. Has anybody froze to death and been canonized? I don't know. But, um, that 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 is that sounds pretty uncomfortable. But hey, we got to get uncomfortable to, to get holy, right? It's a good mortification for the body. I'm sure it's got a lot of great health benefits. It's all the rage right now. Everybody's there's even a, a company that makes cold tubs, cold tubs for you to put on your porch and stuff, and it's making a lot of money. I don't know, but I I just think this this Tyson Bajan story is is incredible. I actually saw him because I'm I'm kind of um. A football geek. I, I did watch a lot of preseason Chicago Bears action. And I saw him play in the preseason. And I'm telling you, man, he was great at, at diagnosing defenses, good accuracy, decision making. I thought, man, this guy this guy could make it. I mean, playing against backups though, right? In preseason games. So you never quite know, but but he acquitted himself pretty well uh in mop up duty against the Vikings two weeks ago and then in the big win against against the Raiders. And again, I'm sorry about that, Patrick, but uh, I'm not sorry about, and I'm not going to wish you good luck this weekend in the relevant radio fantasy football league because I'm playing against you. Yes. Yes. And uh, all the best to you. And, uh, and hopefully I'll come out on top like I should. Well, you got it. You got a good team. You're in first place in the division. Uh, I started off all in three, dug myself a pretty deep hole. Um, but I've, I don't know, I've tried to play GM and made some moves and uh, now I'm three and four and hey, I'm coming for you, man. So, so I'm going to take you down this weekend. I apologize in advance. Uh, but, um, the relevant radio fantasy league is, uh, is pretty interesting. I, I've heard that. And technically I, I want to be, I don't want to correct you, but I'm going to correct you. I'm actually not first place. So you're not. Okay. No, I, I was, no. Who is in first place? Though? Uh, uh, social media manager, our producer something I, I forget his title my apologies to damien schmidt 
Damien Schmidt. That's right. He, he's the manager of. of I think digital. he's a VP too. I VP think he, of digital. Okay, yes, thank you. Downgraded him thank from you. manager. To, thank yeah. you. He's, he's a VP, <laughs> and you're gonna have a pink slip on your desk in a minute from, from Damien. I don't know if Damien has that power. No, Damien would never do that to you. But uh, yeah, Green Bay Cheese is the name of his game, uh, his team, and that's the name of the game. I'll tell you. Anyways, I've heard Father Rocky may have some help managing his team. I don't know if that's legal, but he's the CEO, so he can do um, whatever he wants, I guess. But anyways, having said that, um, good luck this weekend, sort of. And uh, thanks for uh, for joining me to talk about that. Let's go to the phones right now. Let's go to Miguel in Riverside, California. Hello, Miguel. Hello. Blessings. Blessings to the whole group over there. Thank you. Hey. I am a Mexicano. Oh wow! I uh, have something. <laughs> have something to say about the Dia de los Muertos. As a young boy, when we were kids, um, nobody paints it their faces at all. Number mm. one, that really that really begins, like you mentioned earlier on that uh, that um, James mm-hmm. Bond movie. It didn't begin there, but you know Hollywood hyped it up. It's so not really, that big nobody, of a part even of it. to this okay. day, yeah. Yeah, even to this day, last year I went to, uh, I was down there on the Dia de los Muertos, and we, what we do is we have a mass at the cemetery. Mm-hmm. So there's a mass. The, 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 you know, there's a mass at the cemetery. We do take flowers. We do mm-hmm. take, and yes, people do go and um, take their, some people do take their guitars and sing and eat. Yeah. Just like if you were to go to a cemetery here and spend, uh, at the cemetery, spend a few, a few a time with your deceased mm-hmm. loved yeah. ones at the cemetery. It's the same yeah. thing. And you do take flowers, and so it's nothing mm-hmm. out of But the main important thing is that we would pray a rosary. Mm-hmm. Um, we pray a rosary for our deceased ones, for their soul. And then you go home, and that was pretty much it. Miguel, I, I love this that you're saying this, because I think one of the great things about this tradition is that it really highlights the communion of saints. And the fact that, you know, you're, you're there, you're, you're having this meal at the gravesite, and, and it's, it's not like this person doesn't exist. They are still um, in God's hands, and, and if they're in purgatory, yeah, we've got to pray for them. Uh, but uh, I love this. The community of saints, we're all in this together. Hey, thanks for joining me together on The Kale Clark Show. Have an awesome weekend, everybody. Keep it locked on Relevant Radio. Jim Shaper produced. Patrick Gayluck took your phone calls along with Miranda. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.